0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'll offer just a few reflections. Um, One of the things I've been uh, reflecting on lately that I really love is that not only did the Buddha teach Uh, ways to come to the end of suffering, but he also taught us um, how (laughs) the stress, suffering, and dissatisfaction are constructed within us. And he uh, taught a factor of how to work with this called right effort. The translation of the Pali words, sama, vamaya, or Vamayo, sorry, into right effort brings up ideas of right versus wrong, and that's not what is meant here. Um, just the right tool for the job is my understanding of Sama. And then uh you know there's no need to be judgmental of our practice. The the word effort itself might bring up images of straining and sweating that aren't so helpful. But again, uh It's not what is really intended here. It might, so I, I think of the way to apply this, uh, is it's more useful to think about the Buddha teaching skillful ways to practice or how to use one's energy wisely as we practice. So we can reflect on our experiences in meditation and daily life from a broader vantage point and this is what this is inviting us to do um noticing what we're doing and why we're doing it so uh reflecting for a moment you know maybe reflecting on why did you start meditating or if you've been doing this for a while why do you keep meditating what's what's keeping you in here and thank you for typing into the chat box. I was just about to invite that. If you want, you could type a few of the reasons uh, that are up for you about why you keep meditating. One that's been offered is trying to use practice in coping with a big upcoming move. Definitely. You know, these huge transitions we make in life deserve uh our care As we go through practice and one of the ways practice can help us is by noticing what comes up for us as we approach these, as we go through these and as we go through the inevitable, you know, it's not a snap, we move and then we're fine. I moved four years ago and for several years I've been looking at, oh, there were things I was attached to that I didn't know I was attached to. I'm happy where I am, no matter where that is. That's interesting. I didn't know that because I thought moving would be just awful. <laughs> uh, so there are really useful things we can notice. Um, you know, some people are drawn to meditation because they'd like to feel more calm and less stressed. Many of us are in search of a happier life one way or another. And um, some may be in the throes of a difficult relationship or job or life circumstances like moving that bring up difficulty. Another reason someone just offered is I can see the benefit and want more. That's beautiful. Yes. Sometimes when we start meditating, we actually notice it feels good. <laughs> there are things about it that really help. Um, So one of the things that dawns on us is, is, oh, maybe this is what it's like to feel some more calm or some more more ease. Um, Another that's, that's offered is the more I carry on, the better. Onward leading, nicer for those I know in daily life too. Yes, often we're meditating, not just for ourselves, but we're, much less of a pain for other people that we live with or that we know or work with. So, you know, we can discover that uh, some things about what happens are beneficial, and some things are still a little bit stuck. Um, A lot of us notice the mind and what it does uh, when we first start to meditate the mind jumps around a lot or stays and still may stay stuck on things occasionally that are not so helpful and we come to know physical states emotional states mental states that are frequent visitors or habits that are part of any stress or dissatisfaction or suffering we experience So I'm sure you've each discovered quite a lot so far about your mental habits. Um, Some of the things that bring people back to meditation again and again are seeing that some mental habits actually cause, could cause bodily tension and pain. Some mental habits um, feed into persistent or unpleasant emotional states And then there are things that can dominate our attention, habits like rumination. You know, maybe we have a habit of worry or we have a habit of ruminating over relationships or ruminating over frustrations. Um, We become aware of attitudes we hold about ourselves and attitudes we hold about others. Um, They could be ideas like that we're not good enough or that we're not getting what we deserve in life. Or that if we just change this or that thing about ourselves or about other people, life would be so much better. So over time, we become aware of our own mental habits. You know, this is part of the value of continuing to come back to practices. We see what the habits are. We see the helpful ones that are really like, okay, this is a really nice calm this is helpful what's happening now is good uh, some of which happens on the meditation cushion and some of which happens in daily life and we become aware of the things that uh we uh, mental habits we might like to evolve over time so for example uh craving <laughs> wanting pleasure or comfort i mean we we all are probably slightly addicted to comfort um Or we, you know, wanting things to be be the way we want them to be. (laughs) That's a very common human desire. Um, But we can get hooked on it. Uh, We may find that we are aversive. There are things that we wish were different. We may push unpleasant things or people away. We may experience some confusion and all of these discoveries, even though sometimes we're dismayed at how many things we can discover with uh, our practice that don't feel like good news, they're so valuable. They're completely necessary for us to know. So, for example, if you go to a doctor, um, if they don't thoroughly explore what is what the illness is by asking a lot of questions and observing your physical state. If they don't first diagnose what's wrong with you, they can't offer the proper remedies to setting healing in motion. I have been, my heart has been aching lately for someone I know who has been through five months of receiving a wrong diagnosis, you know, and being told, Oh, you know, take some tagament only to find that there's cancer there. So this process of exploration for us is very important to know as much as we can know about what's coming up in daily life and what's coming up in practice. It's how we diagnose what is ill at ease in us and also how we discover what the path of healing, the path of, you know, really living a happier life is contains. So what we're learning about all these habits that come up that we see um, is the first part of what I'll call skillful practice. So there are two tasks that we devote a ton of time to um, over, over the days, months, years of practice. One is to notice what's happening that is unwholesome or unskillful. And two is to learn how to prevent what's unwholesome or unskillful from continuing to arise. So if we want to plant a flower garden, uh, you know, we first have to ready the ground. We have to pull up all the weeds in certain patches. I'm, I'm looking at my backyard right now and wanting to xeriscape it. And there's an area where weeds just continually grow. So I know I'm going to have to do a lot of work there, pulling up weeds and preparing the soil to be conducive for nourishing these xeric plants that I'd like to put in. You know I'll have to catch uh and pull up any subsequent weeds early so they don't choke up choke out the plants and um if you're like me and and you enjoy this is not a xeric plant but and I probably won't be planting them, but I enjoy roses and if you cultivate roses, you know you have to keep the area around them free of dead leaves and other debris that could foster fungus and things like that. And you have to it's good to mulch the ground, to keep the water, the precious water in, nutrients in, and prevent wheat more weeds. So we're doing very similar tasks in noticing and removing anything that's unwholesome and learning how to prevent dis-ease in our bodies, our hearts, and our minds. So how do we how do we do that? How do we prevent it? Um Sayada writes, There are two means by which unskillful mental qualities are uprooted. One is that you simply become aware of them and they naturally disappear. In this case, awareness does the work. The other way is that understanding arises about whatever unskillful root quality is present. So the cause of the disease. In this case, wisdom does the work. When he points to this first way of simply becoming aware of unskillful mental qualities and their naturally disappearing through awareness doing its work, it's good for us to explore that a little together. Um, that might not be readily obvious, but maybe you can remember occasions when simply noticing something or being aware of it, actually it can fall away. Maybe simpler things. Like uh my spouse and I... uh had one that we used early in our marriage. Whenever we would start to quibble about something, we'd realize it wasn't worth getting entangled with, and we would joke about hitting the reset button. And sometimes we'd mind p- picking up a remote control and pressing rewind because we're like, "Oh no, it's not. It's not worth it to go down this road." Um, So that's one example. Or perhaps you catch yourself starting to fight with discomfort in the body during a sitting. I'm guessing most people have, have felt a little of that. And instead of continuing to fight it, you deliberately relax as much as you can and maybe breathe in and out of the area of discomfort. And amazingly, sometimes the discomfort will fall away. Maybe not quickly or maybe quickly. It depends. So it's worthwhile as we develop skillful practice or work with this, maybe this week, to notice any of these minor things that come up and that can be dropped by simply being aware of them, whether it's in a sitting meditation or it's in daily life. I think you'll be surprised how many things are actually like that, where you make a choice. However, (laughs) that said, there is a lot of unwholesome stuff that stands in our way that must be noticed again and again. Uh, We may need to become aware of an issue repeatedly and learn a lot more about what's going on and explore to figure out the root cause. So this is what Sayadaw is talking about when he says wisdom does the work. An example would be craving for sense pleasures. When we believe that we must have something a certain way or we must have something pleasant in order to be happy. So for a long time, I was engaged in a pattern of overwork during the week and collapse on the weekends. So often when I collapsed, I would binge watch TV or Netflix. I'm convinced that it would help me rest and relax. I I really believe that. Over time, though, I started to realize that it wasn't restful to do that. I'd actually feel tired afterwards. But that process of, you know, craving and reaching for pleasure after pleasure, like program after program, is greed. The root cause is greed. And ultimately, it's exhausting particularly because it never fills the black hole of longing for something better, that greed. Um, I had to do a lot of exploration to further understand the unwholesome roots of my overwork. It had all three roots, greed for approval, to make life be the way I wanted it, to attain certain things, aversion for uncertainty, you know, Aversion in the form of wanting to control things or keep fixing parts of myself that I thought weren't good enough. There's plenty of aversion and delusion, believing that I could control circumstances in certain ways to make them turn out well. Or by thinking about things really hard, by ruminating like crazy, I could solve relationships, you know, dilemmas that arise between people. So, you know, I'm probably a slow learner, (laughs) but this took me decades to figure out because it was really a complex mix of all three unwholesome roots. So some things won't fall away with awareness the first time. They'll take, you know, in my case, they'll take decades, but maybe you're a quick learner. So because of some, some of these unwholesome habits we have as human beings, this is part of the human condition. Some of them take a long time to unwind. And because of that, it is so helpful to cultivate an attitude of kind, curiosity, and patience with the exploration. Now, that, too, was something that had to grow over time. As I re-experienced the same or a similar cycle again and again, you know, there can come a time with awareness that you become thoroughly sick Of what your mind does. And then um, I had to recognize that it wasn't wholesome to blame myself for the pattern of overwork and collapse. You know, I started to notice whatever blame was present or, you know, I was just beating myself up or being hard on myself I had to release it in favor of exploring more and understanding more and saying, okay, you know, this strategy isn't working. What the heck is going on here? Uh, the Buddhist teacher and author, Tara Brach, has a useful memory device for a process that can help us RAIN, the acronym RAIN, R-A-I-N. Some of you know this one. R for recognize what's happening. A, for allowing and accepting that it is here in order to, I, investigate it, explore it, get to know it thoroughly. And N, for not identifying all of that with I, me, and mine, who I permanently am. N, also for nourishing, finding something more wholesome to support you during this process that can take time. Uh, The acronym is so close to what we've been doing in these Tuesday morning meditations. We receive experience and awareness. We recognize it and know it. We allow it breathing room. We relax with it, which is nourishing in order to uh, know what is most obvious as it arises, persists, passes as experience flows by. And by practicing this, this way that we do, we can notice one by one the unwholesome habits of mind that cause our stress, dissatisfaction, and suffering. And we can start to prevent them from arising. So how might we prevent them? That's the second part of skillful practice. Very important. One thing, we need to get to know them so well by witnessing them in awareness and exploring them in all these different manifestations because things are tricky. They don't just show up one way. They show up all these different ways in our lives on the cushion and off the cushion. But over time, we start to be able to see an unwholesome state coming from a distance. So for example, another thing, another bad habit along with collapsing for me was craving sweets. So that or munching on snacks. That's another unwholesome form of greed for sense pleasures I experienced. It wasn't obvious. It it felt good. It tasted good, you know. So over time, I learned to see it coming. That when I was tired or getting hungry or frustrated, if I have the first thought of eating something, some junk food, I've learned to stop the thought right there and turn the mind towards some wholesome combination of protein and carbs that would provide a little nourishment. Um, Or we might be able to feel the presence of an unwholesome state and be able to sense into it and know, I don't want to go down that same old rabbit hole. I know it doesn't lead anywhere good. So after we become well familiar with our unwholesome habits we can feel like oh yeah i see where this is going no no and this starts to free us up to choose something more wholesome another important way to prevent the arising of unwholesome states is called guarding the sense doors. so this relates to what i just shared about watching for sensations, felt senses in the body of fatigue, and thinking of eating junk food. Guarding the sense door means attuning the awareness to catch the earliest possible appearance of a sight, a sound, a smell, a taste, a feeling in the body, or a thought of something that you know to be unwholesome. If you can notice it early, it's much easier to uh, be aware, ah, this is unwholesome, and and even recognize this is greed, this is aversion, this is delusion, and to choose an, a wholesome alternative. You can feel it arise, feel the energy kicking around in you. Whatever that energy that is, it could be something dragging you down or it could be something jangling you or whatever that energy is. And also feel the tendencies it has, like it may have tendencies towards certain thoughts or tendencies towards certain actions. Um, So if you can see those, you don't have to indulge them. You can just watch it ping pong around inside and see it pass however quickly or or long a time that takes. So perhaps this is why Sayadaw Utejaniya wrote, yogis come to me and say, you're always telling us, watch the mind, watch the mind, but I can't see the mind. They don't see it because they're looking for something special. The work is simply to be aware of what is being perceived at each one of the sense, excuse me, the sense doors, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching smelling thinking in this moment that is all that's what he writes so it's all these these six senses that get us caught and by contrast if we don't catch what's being perceived at the sense doors early you know this you it just the train leaves the station you get caught in thinking that actually perpetuates the greed or feeds it perpetuates the aversion, perpetuates the delusion, and it actually takes much more energy and effort then to see it, explore it, and trace it back to the unwholesome roots or the hindrance that prompted it. So we use less energy if we catch things early, more energy if we catch things late. We can still catch them, and there's value in catching it. Like (laughs) there are many things I've caught a day later. (laughs) After it happened, I'm like, oh, Maybe many of you have been through that too. So uh, I'll I'll say in closing that above all, in doing any of these practices, in noticing unwholesome states, doing this first half of skillful practice, remember that this is called the gradual practice, this Buddhist path. You know, try to be kind to yourself, bring up compassion, because this is the human condition we're working with. Every single human on this planet, as far as I can tell, has this. Our teacher training had the good fortune yesterday to have Jack Cornfield visit us. And he was sharing that even, you know, he he was naming some famous meditative uh, wonders that you know, some famous leaders. He says, they still get mad. I've watched it. I've seen them get mad. They get angry. They still suffer from hindrances. And that, in a way, was really fascinating to hear because it reinforced, again, this is human stuff. As long as we're living on this planet, there's stuff that comes up for us. If we can be kind, if we can bring up compassion and just recognize this is a lifelong practice for most of us. Every step we take is leading in the right direction. It's leading in the direction of freedom. It's making life just a little bit more understandable or clear. And as long as we continue to return to awareness and bring in wisdom, we're moving towards the end of suffering. So I take a lot of heart in that and I'm on the long-term plan. Doesn't matter to me however long I live, you know, I'm almost 69. However long I live, it's fine. I'm just going to stick with this. And I've noticed over the last 19 years it does make things better and happier and happier. And That's fine with me. I'm signed on. (laughs) So thank you. I hope these comments are helpful. And um, now we have time uh, for your comments, questions. I'm going to turn off the recording.